Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Wonderful. Um, so we are in a sermon series uh, called Lost and Found. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm Bill White, the other pastor. Um, and today we're looking at a passage about healing and growth and community. And uh, it's just uh, it's just one of those Jesus stories that gives us hope again. Um, and uh, I have the privilege of preaching with uh, my friend and elder, uh, Megan Williams. Say hi, Megan, to the nice people. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Yeah. So Megan and I get to preach. She's uh, Megan is a professor and a therapist and a mom and a friend, and she's one of the elders of City Church um, and a gift to us. So I'm glad to be in it with you. So uh, Kathy Hermita is going to read scripture for us today. Kathy, if you're out there and want to unmute. Are you there, Kathy? Yes, good morning. Oh, good morning. Thanks for reading for us today. Of course. Um, I'm going to have to read from my book. This is Matthew 9, 27 to 34. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on the son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. And Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the good news about him all over the region. While they were going out, a man who was demon possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Kathy. Um, for those who are reading along, you probably noticed that, uh, you know, Kathy was reading out of her Bible, which is a great thing to do. Um, but uh, at City Church, we changed some of the Sometimes we change the words and I actually spent a lot, I mean, just, this is just a brief orientation. I wasn't planning on doing this, but since it was pointed out in the reading. So it, she talked about the blind men um, and the uh, demon possessed man, uh, which are traditional interpretations of those words. I actually spent a little bit of time in the Greek this week, looking at those words. And those words are actually gender neutral words. And so that's why I put it in our text as persons, um, because in our midst, we have men, women, we have non-binary people, um, and those are the people that were in the story. And that's what's represented in the original language. And just wanted to make sure that, um, you know, that, that was represented here in, in our midst, since uh, all kinds of people show up at City Church. But anyway, that wasn't the point. That was actually not even going to be said, but it came out. So there you go. A little bonus for you today. Um, but what I wanted to start in with, uh, and Megan's going to comment on this here in just a minute, is um, so Jesus does two healings in this text. And 
it's indicative of how Jesus does healings elsewhere uh, in the Gospels. 26 times Jesus heals people. Not once does Jesus heal them the same way twice. Never does he heal them the same way. Sometimes Jesus asks them a lot of questions. Sometimes he asks no questions. Sometimes he lays his hand on them. Sometimes he just speaks the word from the distance. Sometimes he spits in the dirt, makes mud, and sticks it in a guy's eye. That's just weird. And sometimes he doesn't do that. Like I, never once is it the same. And even in this passage, you see it's, it's very different. Um, so in, in verse 29 and 30, it says, he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Um, so he touches their eyes here. Uh, the next person, he does not touch their eyes. He does not, yeah, there, there's no mention of that. So it's this picture that everybody shows up at, everybody shows up different. Everybody comes to church here today different, each one of you. We still get to be a community but we're unique and God meets us right where we are and invites us on our own journey of healing and growth. I think um, the message today is, is truly about that, that idea of diversity, um, that Jesus sees diversity and he responds to that. And, you know, I, Bill mentioned I'm a therapist, so I, I have a little bit of a therapist filter uh, that I walk around with. I can't help it. <laughs> so if you come in contact with me, I'm going to ask you, so how are you doing? How's the pandemic been for you? How are you feeling? And people laugh at me when I want to go deep with them, but it's just kind of become part of who I am. Um, so, you know, I'm attracted to humanness, right? The humanness of people. And, you know, I will say that's why I was attracted to City Church in the very beginning is because there was this message that Jesus was human. Um, and there was a context of humanity surrounding when he lived his life, not only for him, but the people that he came in contact with. So as I read this passage, I'm starting to think of these humans, right? Like Bill said, that came to Jesus asking to be healed. They came to him with a need. And so as we speak today, I'm just wondering if you could keep that in the back of your mind of this idea that we all come to Jesus with some needs. And they're going to look very different um, for each of us, whether those be physical needs, like the, the people in the passage, emotional needs, um, like I'll talk about in a minute, spiritual needs, financial needs, relational needs. I mean, all of these needs that we, we might have become aware of uh, throughout our journeys. So the humanness of Jesus um, and the idea that he doesn't heal the same way twice. Um, I just think of my job, right? So I sit in this room with a couch. Sometimes they take naps on the couch in between clients. I, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to lie. But it's this small little room. Sometimes there's a window. Sometimes there's not. I sit in this chair. A client comes in and they are longing perhaps for some healing. Um, in the last year specifically, there's been a lot of need regarding mental health. You know, a lot of us have felt isolated. A lot of us have had our anxiety 
kind of resurface or depressive symptoms. Um, relationships have been really difficult this last year. Uh, I know for me, uh, that's been that's been a struggle. A lot has come to the surface. So people come and they sit on my couch and they say, Megan, will you help me? Will you heal me? And the ironic part is it's yes and no. Um, I'm not totally responsible for their healing. Um, so, you know, as we look at Jesus, he is also very kind of client specific. These clients that come to him, these people um, that are on the fringes, they come to him and they're saying, will you please heal me? And I believe he's saying, I'm not just going to heal you, but I'm inviting you into a journey of growth now because your story is about to change, right? So when I think of healing, um, you know, in the Bible, I, I truly think of the bleeding woman. I, I more relate with her than the demon-possessed man or woman or the blind individuals. Um, I, I more uh, identify with how she has to tell the whole story, right? Because I think our stories are so important. And I think that's something to, to think about is that Jesus in that moment becomes the wonderful counselor to her. Um, I think of the names of Jesus in Isaiah 9, and it talks about him being the Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, or maybe even Mother, um, and also the Wonderful Counselor. And so as I parallel kind of some of the ideas of what being a counselor is uh, with the person of this Wonderful Counselor of Jesus, I think of connection being important to him, that he sees the people that he heals he offers growth, and he also offers discomfort. I think that's a key piece. He offers discomfort because he tells these people, please don't go talk about this to anyone. And I asked Bill in one of our meetings, I said, why do you think he said that? Because of his reputation? That's what I've always heard or known. And, and Bill says, I think he wanted them to go on kind of a quiet journey to marinate in what had just happened. And I think that really resonated with me too, because I think so much healing can happen just in the quiet moments for each of us, um, where nobody's looking, where we don't necessarily talk about it. We don't advertise the ways we've been healed or the ways we've been invited into growth. So, you know, this year, um, like I said, many of us have maybe dipped a little bit in our mental health uh, journey. I don't know about you, but for me, it's been very draining to be with my three young boys uh, around the clock during quarantine. Um, and then as things have started to open, there's been anxiety that has surfaced. And um, I tried to set my phone down a little bit more in terms of social media, and I started reading. I'll show you a book that I picked up. Um, it's called, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. <laughs> it felt really appropriate right? Um, maybe I should talk to someone about how I was feeling. So let me read a quote. I think we have it in the chat. Um, this is a story about a therapist. And she actually at one point came into contact with the need she had to also go to therapy. Um, so as she's wrapping up her therapy journey with her therapist, she reflects on what it is that brings change, what it is that brings growth. So you can read along with me. Lori, the author says, as an intern, I was taught that when patients or clients thank us, it helps to remind them that they did the hard work. It's all you, we tend to say. I was just here to guide you, 
And in a sense, that's true. The fact that they picked up the phone and decided to come to therapy and then work through things every week is something that no one else could do for them. But we're also taught something else that we can't really understand until we've done thousands of hours of sessions. We grow in connection with others. Everyone needs to hear that other person's voice saying, I believe in you. I can see possibilities that you might not see quite yet. And I imagine that something different can happen in some form or another. Sometimes in therapy, we say, let's edit your story. And so as I reflect upon these healings that Jesus offers these individuals, I think about him coming alongside and saying, in connection is, is how you will grow and change. Let's edit these parts of your story so you can go on that journey. Ooh, so good. Yeah. And that's the invitation for us today, right? I think that's why we're here. Maybe there are some edits that might be helpful in our stories. So as we, as we show up um, today, we bring certain things to the table as we show up in our relationship with Jesus, uh, with others. Uh, they, as, as those three people showed up in the story that Kathy Hermita wrote for us, or read for us today, they showed up with some stuff. And so we want to take just a minute to think, what is it that we show up with, each of us in our own individual ways? And I want to offer two broad categories and then have Megan reflect a little bit on it. But one of the things that we bring to the table is faith. In some form or another, and I recognize, I mean, at City Church, we are all over the map in terms of our spiritual journeys, right? So there's and there's no judgment here as to where you are. But I want to reflect on what does it look like to bring some form of faith to the table? Jesus asked this question of the two blind people um, at the beginning of our story today. Jesus says, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you think that I can help heal you? And I think, you know, there was, a, there was a piece of my kind of religious upbringing that used this sort of question as a um, form of shame. Like, if you don't have enough faith, well, you're out. And I just, it's really hard for me to get there now with Jesus. I, I think as I've gone on my journey, I realized that's just not what Jesus is like. I mean, and there were plenty of times when Jesus healed people not asking about their faith. He just healed them. And there's at least one story where someone says, yeah, I really struggled with believing. And he heals them too. So I don't think this is some sort of litmus test to see if you're in or if you're out. And yet, it still remains important. Jesus is curious. Where are you at with your faith? What do you believe? It's an invitation, I think, for us to 
think about what matters. What do we orient our lives around? What, what do we believe in? Where is God in our lives? What, what is God like? And I think Jesus is really honored as we go on this journey with him. And he invites us. Tell me, where are you at on your spiritual journey? Do you, what do you believe? And so that's an invitation for us today. But there's also, and there's not just the faith that we bring to the table, we also bring our baggage. The two come together. And uh, so the, the second person who comes to the table, it, it, it says this, while they were going out, a person who is demon possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. That's Matthew 9, 32. Demon possessed. Literally, it's demonized. I think there's some of us today who are feeling kind of blind. Like, man, we just can't see a way forward. I think there are plenty of us today who have the feeling of not having words to speak, feeling mute. Like, I don't know if I have the courage or the strength or the ability to say what's actually going on. And there are plenty of us today who feel demon-possessed, who just feel like dogged at every turn by a sort of uh, aggressive, negative, hopeless spirit. And Jesus takes you right where you are, right? Right where you are, with where you're at in terms of faith and where you're at in terms of baggage. Jesus is here saying, I came to heal. Take it away, Megan. Make some sense of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just think of that word baggage, and usually it's associated with something negative. But as I was thinking about that word and this idea of the faith and the baggage, I had a picture of a suitcase um, that perhaps in each of our suitcases, if we open that up, that there would be the faith in there and also the struggle. Um, so I think Jesus can, can handle um, both as Bill was saying, that if we, with our suitcases, right, drop our suitcases and, and sort of open them up and look inside, um, I, I think it's okay if we hold both and acknowledge that both exist. I know on my personal journey, I grew up in the church. Um, last week's sermon really resonated with me in terms of losing my religion and, and what that's looked like, maybe the structure of a religion uh, from my childhood that I felt really safe with. And over the past five or so years, you know, as I opened my suitcase, I've realized there's been some deconstruction happening. Um, but my faith has been enriched in terms of some reconstruction. And I, you know, just in prepping for the sermon, I just had to reflect on the ways that Jesus has invited me into some healing over the years. Um, in, in really small ways. And I think when I first became a Christian at a young age, I just sort of bought in. I just thought, yeah, that, that feels safe. And Jesus is nice. And he brings all the sheep and he's the good shepherd. Great. And then of course, as time has, has gone on, it, it got a little more complicated. Um, questioning things like, you know, 
what he asks of us and these verses, you know, do not be anxious and be holy and what that means. And so um, what I've, what it's really boiled down to for me is this idea that we each have a need, right? Whether that be a psychological need, an emotional need, a relational need, a physical need. Um, mine has been relational. Um, the needing of him to be my mother and my father, uh, a secure base, so to speak, in my life. And that's where I've been able to connect with Jesus, where he sort of healed me. And then I've gone on this journey of growth. Um, and so on, I'll just share with you uh, my week. On Tuesdays, I wear a lot of hats. I wear, in the morning, I'm a mom. And so I put on my mom hat and I make some oatmeal for my kids and I you know, change diapers and get kids ready for the day. And then about halfway through the day, um, my parents come to watch my kids. And so I put on a different hat and I'm a daughter. And so I'm interacting with my parents and, and you know, I see the layers of my need come out with them. Um, I leave to go to work, say goodbye to my family, say goodbye to my husband with my wife hat. And then I am a therapist. So I put on my therapist hat. And there's just, just this idea that in every role that I play, I still come in contact with my need for healing and growth, right? And, and in my response to those relationships, it's almost like more growth and healing are needed. Deeper layers of me start to come out and I just continue to come in contact with that need. So I, I just wonder, what, what is it like for you? What is it like for us? to be with people in our life, to be in community, um, to be in relationships, to wear our hats that we wear and to also find how much we need Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, a lot to think about there. A lot to think about, in, in part because we, we have, one of the reasons why we have so many hats is because we are in community. Right? We're not in this alone. And so we have these different relationships with all these different people. And it's, um, it's complicated, right? Um, inevitably, we find our healing and our growth in communities. God sets us in communities. When God created the first human, it said, it is not good for the human to be alone, right? And... This is where we flourish. We flourish with, with others. It doesn't mean that we have to be uh, married. That's, that's not the community. It's, it's the community of humans. Um, in, in this passage, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but in, in, not, in Matthew 9, 32, it talks about how the, the, the person who is demonized, they, they did not bring themselves to Jesus. They were brought to Jesus by others. It says a person who's demon possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. The community participated in the healing. Now, there's this tension is, is with that, there's also a sense in sometimes, and Megan mentioned this earlier, it can be helpful to take some space away from community on your own. And, and Jesus, you know, there's this, uh, this lots of debate about these sorts of things in, in the Bible, but in verse 
um, 31, it says, Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this, but they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. And, you know, as Megan and I were talking about it, I really did have this sense that, like, Jesus was saying, look, take some time. Get away by yourself. What's going on for you? It's just so, um, boy, we just race through our lives. Telling other people all kinds of stuff. Post it on social media. Call my friend. What if there was an invitation, even about the good things, to take a minute, take some deep breaths, be present to yourself. It's a deeper way to have faith. It's so for someone who is as extroverted as as I am, right? Um, I mean, just crazy extroverted all the time. Uh, this is super hard for some of you. This is like, yes, of course. You know, for some of you, your challenge is like the book that, that Megan was, was lifting up earlier, right? Uh, maybe I need to talk to somebody. The question in some ways isn't whether you need to be alone or whether you need to talk with people. The question is, what's that courageous step for you into healing? That's the that's the question. Uh, U.S. Poet Laureate, um, uh, Rita Dove. She's a poet and writer, Pulitzer Prize um, winner. She says this, and I, Joe, do we have that uh, slide? Yeah, there it is. Um, she says, courage has nothing to do with our determination to be great. It has to do with what we decide in that moment when we are called upon to be more. That's courage. And that can be the courage not to speak, but to go be alone with your thoughts, with your heart, with your healing, with your pain, with your God. It can also be the calling to go and open up to someone else, to let them in, to let God. I want to close up with, as we think about community, and this is really kind of the final piece of this whole puzzle today around healing, is that sometimes community, so community sometimes brings us to healing. Sometimes we need to separate ourselves from community in order to let the full healing happen. But sometimes community is a big pain in the, the rear and is not helpful at all in the process of healing. So part of the community that Jesus was in, that these people were in, had certain uptight religious people who were not on board with this program. So it says in Matthew 9, 34, that the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. So these very religious types, they go off on Jesus. And they're not helpful in the healing process. They're shaming people, controlling people, making sure everyone knows who's in, who's out. You have these people in your life. 
I, I know you. You have these people in your life. I may be one of them. <laughs> God have mercy on me. Um, and I suspect that you're also, you are also these people for others sometimes. And certainly for yourself. When we feel jealous of what God might be doing in someone else, we can feel threatened or the status quo is going to shift and maybe I'm not going to have quite as much privilege as I had before. It can disorient us. And all of a sudden, we're not, we're not living out this God-centered, generous life that Jesus has called us to. Instead, we're, we're judging and isolating ourselves and others. Uh, on, my, on my Saturdays, it's a Sabbath for me. I take a day of rest and I go back and I read old journals, right? So I read my journal from a year ago, from 10 years ago, from 20 years ago, and from 30 years ago. And I'm reading in my journal and there's this theme from, from 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. Same theme showing up in my journal that there are all these situations. So I was, you know, I've been a pastor forever and I'm super judgy. Like these people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I need to confront them about their sin and they need to repent. You know, these, you know, these people, 10 years ago it was like, well, these people are on this retreat and they're not being as welcoming as they should be. I can't believe them. I'm, I'm writing all this down in my journal. It's so, it's awful, right? That I do this. This is what I do, that I'm judging others. And I don't take the time to say, gosh, I wonder what was going on in me? Why was I so anxious? Why am I so anxious right now? Why do I feel so judgy of others? Huh, I wonder what, what's in their backstory. What might it look like to take some time and to be a healthier community? for those who are on the journey of healing with Jesus also. Any final words for us, Megan, to bring it home? Gosh, I'm so glad you've grown and changed, Bill. <laughs> no it's a time. long journey. It's a long journey, as you know. You've seen a lot of it. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. No, I'll just leave you with this idea. I mean, this drives a lot of what I've seen and what I've experienced and what I do in the therapy room, in the church, in my own life, is that we can, we can be hurt in relationships. In fact, we really are hurt in relationships. The good news is we can be healed in relationships as well. And that, that brings some encouragement to me today. I hope for you too. <laughs>